0: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode.
1: And I'm Lauren Good, senior tech editor at The Verge.
0: And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech.
1: It could be anything at all, like whether or not Kara has watched the new season of my YouTube series, Next Level. Have you watched it?
0: No, but I will. I promise. Right after uh, I don't watch uh, House of
1: Cards, I now have a free
0: area. But yes, I will do that tonight. Absolutely. Okay. 100%. Okay.
1: Well, just just slide me right into your house of cards slot because right. I can tell you that mine is a little bit less scandalous. All right. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Anyway,
0: send us your question. Find us on Twitter and or tweet them to at Recode or to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag TooEmbarrassed.
1: We also have an email address. It's TooEmbarrassed at Recode.net. And a friendly reminder, there are two R's and two S's in Embarrassed. So sometimes on this show, I like to joke that Kara's password is something really absurdly easy to guess, like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, or password, or Lauren is the real driving force behind this show, that it really Mm. is her password. No, it's not.
0: I have very good passwords, and I used one password. It's not the last one for sure.
1: Well, we both use password managers, because in case you've missed the memo, you're not supposed to have something absurdly simple or guessable for a password, and you're absolutely not supposed to use the same password for multiple accounts, because if someone is able to brute force their way into one of your accounts, they could use that information to reverse engineer their way into other accounts. Use one password, Kara?
0: Yeah, I do. We use password manager. I use one password because I, I think it's important to have uh, I use two step verification. I use all the all the things you can do. Although I still think why in the world in this day and age do we have passwords? There should be another way to do this. I try to use when I use other things, my eyeball or my fingerprint or things like that. But I do use one password now at this moment in time.
1: How do you use an eyeball when you wear sunglasses indoors all the time?
0: It'll be just fine. It works as I take (laughs) off my glasses and I put it to the eyeball meter or whatever. A lot of people still have
1: questions about these services.
0: Why it's a good thing. We're joined by Jeffrey Goldberg of Agile Bits. It's the maker of 1Password. Jeffrey's other title is Defender Against the Dark Arts. Which, okay, Jeffrey, welcome to Too Embarrassed to Ask.
2: Well, thank you very much. It's, it's really great to be here. And um, I really like talking about passwords and password managers. So. Oh, fantastic.
0: All right. So explain, like, just explain to start with what 1Password does and, and, and services like it. Just let's try to be as broad as possible.
2: Well, um, as you've mentioned, people should not use easy-to-guess passwords And even more importantly, people should not use the same passwords on multiple sites because uh, if one of those gets compromised, then in a sense, every place you use that same password gets compromised. So here you are, um, you've got security experts telling people, don't use easy-to-guess passwords and use a unique one for each and every site that you use. And most people have scores of different sites and services. Now, they might think they only have a s- smaller handful because they only think about the ones that they use on a daily basis or a weekly basis. But overall, people have lots and lots and lots of, of sites and services. So you've got these security people, you know, people like me, um, telling people to do the impossible, you know, uh, unique... Um, Hard to guess password for each site and service. That's just not humanly possible. And the password manager is a tool that is designed to help manage these things so that you don't have to actually know the vast majority of your passwords. I don't know my Facebook password. I don't know, you know, I, I simply don't know Most of my passwords. What I do know is my master password for 1Password. And with a password manager, it not only remembers um, all of these different passwords and allows me to have different passwords for all of these sites, uh, it can be used to create um, very strong passwords for each one of these sites. And um, most password managers have tools for integrating with web browsers, as does One Password, uh, so that it actually makes it easier to it actually makes it easier to fill in the login forms that you come across for site after site.
1: So basically, it's a service where instead of you having to humanly remember all these complicated, long, multi-character passwords, you pay for the service. 1Password does it for you. So then across devices, you can just easily sort of grab that password and plug it in when you need to. And there are other services out there in addition to 1Password that do this. We've talked about LastPass and Dashlane before on this show. I have another question about why 1Password does the sort of the scramble of random characters, because some security experts say you should be using three random but complete words. You know, it's kind of like a nonsensical phrase, but they're real words. And others say it's better to use that scramble of random characters. So what does 1Password operate the way it does and which is better in your mind?
2: Okay, um, this is, I, I love this question. Uh, I should actually say that... that one of my lame claims to fame is that I helped repopularize this notion of, of using truly randomly chosen words. Uh, the main difference is whether it's a password you're ever going to need to type or remember versus a password that you will never need to type or remember. And, and you can leave to your password manager. So if you're something that you can leave entirely to your password manager, you use the completely scrambled word business. I mean, completely scrambled letters, uh, because that is going to be stronger per just length of password. If you're using a 20-character password, something that's just You know, the scrambled characters and letters is going to be enormously stronger than something based on a word list. But which one are you more likely to remember if it's a password that you need to remember? So we do recommend things like the word list-based password for your 1Password master password. It is something you're going to have to type, and it is something you're going to have to remember but for the passwords that you use for all the sites and services that one password is managing for you there we just use our password generator that generates complete utter gibberish of characters
0: okay let's talk about what's going on in the password industry you you all essentially you get these services you you use them to open different sites and they populate them and apple does the same thing you can save passwords on the apple systems these are still enormously confusing to use. Why don't we talk about where this whole sector is going? At some point, we're not going to have all passwords. So why don't we talk about sort of the state of the art right now, what's the best um, things people can do, and then where it's
2: going? This is a, a really interesting question. Um, but I should preface this by saying back in the 90s, when I first started worrying about the password problem, you know, which is that we're asking people to do things that are – impossible. And, and since people won't do what's impossible, then you have all these security problems. I and some other people came up with various schemes, and we thought we were going to more or less eliminate passwords for the most part within the next mm-hmm. five years. Well, as I said, that was in the, middle, that, that was in the mid-90s. Um, and it was one of my pre- predictions that was spectacularly wrong. And since then, I've seen proposals to eliminate passwords come and go. Uh, And so as a consequence, I'm a a bit pessimistic about any new proposal about what's going to replace passwords, uh, simply because I've seen them come and go and I've understood why they've gone as well. Um,
1: but, it, but is it worth noting that in you know in the mid nineties um the access to things like biometric scanning it wasn't it wasn't as accessible to everybody yet um it, that that was very futuristic at the time, and maybe it was the kind of thing it would work at your you know your well funded office building, but now we are we are seeing biometric scanning happening right on our consumer devices, our personal devices, and everyone has fingerprint scanners in some cases, iris scanners, and now even 3D face scanners. So that market has changed a little bit too.
2: Um, yes, um, uh, that definitely does change things. But, we, but things like these biometrics, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to, I don't know how to do this without getting too technical. Things like biometrics work very well for what's called local authentication, you are proving yourself to the device that you are holding with you. You're not actually proving who you are to some remote service. And so this is why what's still going on behind the scenes when you're using these biometrics is effectively you're using a password manager locally that you're unlocking with, say, your fingerprint but then that is still using passwords back and forth to the remote service or something like passwords. And this is fine when you're connecting specifically from that device. Now, with one password, you can synchronize your passwords. You can unlock it on your device with your fingerprint. So this is generally managed, but you are using... Effectively, you're using biometrics to open something that's playing the role of a password manager, or in our case, is a password manager. Um, The reason that you don't use biometrics to replace passwords in general as the way that a server will say how how you prove your existence is, well... One thing is consider what happens when a server is breached and you're told you have to change your password. You've got to change your password for that service, and you've got to change the password for every other service where you've reused that same password. Changing your fingerprint is a little bit harder. Yeah. So imagine having to be told that you have to change your fingerprint. Right,
0: yeah. So, so your fingerprint could be stolen, it, in other words. Your, your fingerprint or your face could the, be stolen. I see. Right.
2: And furthermore, in these cases, in the biometric cases, now I'm not saying that there isn't a place for biometrics used for local authentication. They're actually really good. Um, but a fingerprint or your face are not secret, They're really just another form of your mother's maiden name. They're things that maybe not everybody has access to, but they're not things that are designed to be secret. So is there
0: anything that's coming that's that is there any other way to do it besides passwords or, or is there is it just with us forever then?
2: As I said, I've been pessimistic about this. I've seen proposals come and go. There are some things that have me more optimistic about solving the password problem than I've been in a while. And this is the, I think it's been renamed, but the proposals out of the FIDO Alliance. Uh, UTF and UTA solve the, the privacy problem that has existed with other uh, schemes to eliminate passwords. So uh, if we look at other schemes to eliminate passwords, let's look at all this login with Google or login with Facebook that you find on site after site. These are these so-called single sign-on services. One of the difficulties with those is that you are letting Facebook or Google or whoever... Or whatever service you're using, know exactly when you're signing right. in to. So what.
0: they have more information,
2: and mm-hmm. and that might be fine for some people, but generally, the technology community, or at least the security technology community, cares deeply about privacy, and so we tend not to push for systems that would be. Uh, that that are inherently non-private
1: but couldn't it be argue, argued that if you if i'm using a web browser and i go to facebook.com or some other site you know my my gmail or whatever it might be and i use one password or any other password manager to authenticate that service still knows that i'm using their service i mean trust me i especially right now i love the idea of of having my data you know sort of siloed away from as many you know, social networks as possible uh, because of what we're seeing going on right now with social networks. But, um, but still, I mean, ultimately, if I go to them, regardless of what password manager I'm using to log in, if I'm in Safari and I'm using Safari Keychain or I'm using 1Password, they, everyone still knows where I'm going.
2: Uh, that is not the case with 1Password. We do not know. We've designed 1Password in such a way that when you... Visit a page or open a login. We don't know what sites you have logins for, and we don't know when you use them.
0: I think it's a fair point. So this do, is do we actually, want Google, Amazon, whatever, so, to know every single thing we do? They already do in a lot of ways.
2: This is one of the things that you know that as the chief defender against the dark arts, I spend a lot of time on working and designing. And we have designed one password in such a way that we do not receive any such information about your usage.
1: I want to ask one question before we get to our reader questions, and we do have a lot. Um, But earlier this year, some people in the security community were a little upset when 1Password began to emphasize cloud subscription packages over local vaults. I mean, I know one of the reasons why I first signed up for 1Password instead of the others is because of that local vault and this idea that everything is local to my devices. But you also have a cloud service and it's subscription-based. So talk about the difference between the two and, you know, your sort of response to people who were upset by this this move away from the local vault.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to do that. So first of all, the accounts or subscription service, one password for families, um, teams, or individuals, it allows for, you know, I mean, one of the huge differences is that, it allows for secure sharing of data among individuals. Um, You can share vaults within your family, within your teams, and and manage things that way. And that was not something that we could do with our sort of the standalone version. Uh, The other thing that we can do with this is, you know, of course, people who were using the standalone version, the vast majority of them were still syncing their data. So while it's the case that we never saw any of your data in any form whatsoever, even encrypted, most people were syncing with Dropbox. And Dropbox is fine, and we designed our data format to be secure if it gets captured from Dropbox. But when we designed our own system, for managing that kind of synchronization. Uh, We were able to build it with additional security features and additional structures and also simply making syncing much, much more reliable. So those are sort of the two big things with using the subscription service. Uh, There's another benefit uh, to users with the subscription service is that we consider somebody who's using 1Password on any platform to be a 1Password customer. But given the way that app stores work, if you were buying standalone and you are using an Android device, an iOS device, a Mac, um, a Windows machine, you would have to purchase 1Password for each and every one of those platforms when we are selling licenses for that. Because there's no way to sell it through a single store. And so a subscription allows us to treat people as 1Password customers. And okay. then they can use right. 1Password okay. on whatever platform. All
0: right, let's get to the reader's question, students. In a minute, we're going to take questions about passwords for our readers. We've got a lot of them, as uh, Lauren said. And Jeffrey's going to answer them. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors.
1: Lauren? Uh, I was going to say ka-ching, but I figured I should scramble it a little bit. So like, ching, ka, exclamation point, S, dollar sign. Today's show is brought to you
0: by Away Travel. They ask thousands of people how they pack, why they travel, and what bugs them most about their luggage. Then they made an affordable, high-quality suitcase that solves these problems. Away suitcases and accessories make for the perfect gift for everyone on your list this holiday season. They have a lifetime guarantee and there's a 100-day trial or just grab an away gift card if you can't make up your mind. These suitcases are made with premium German polycarbonate. It bends, but it never breaks. And inside each of them, there's a removable washable laundry bag that keeps dirty clothes separate from clean. Both sizes uh, of the carry on bag can charge cell phones, tablets, e readers, or anything else that's powered by a USB cord. A single charge of the away carry on will charge your iPhone five times. I know this, it did work. I use it, I like the away thing, and it did. I got stuck uh, in an airport with, uh, without a charge, and it worked really well. Every away customer in the contiguous US can get free shipping on their new suitcase. But because you listen to Too Embarrassed to Ask, you can get something extra, $20 off. Just go to awaytravel.com slash ask and use the promo code ask during the checkout. Remember, these are great holiday gifts. So go take a look at awaytravel.com slash ask. Use the promo code ask when you check out. I can say I've used it several times. I really like it. And my son, who is 15, thinks it's actually cool. I'm not sure what that says, but he loves it. Also, this show is brought to you by Payfully. Renting your home or spare room can be a great way to earn some extra income, but actually getting paid can take months. That's where Payfully comes in. Payfully is a safe and secure way to get paid for your upcoming reservations within 24 hours of them being booked. Payfully deposits directly into your bank account with funds usually available the same day. They work with all the major platforms, Airbnb, VRBO, HomeAway, and others. They've helped thousands of hosts expand their business, cover unexpected expenses, and stabilize their income. Visit payfullynow.com and get your first request free with the code T-E-T-A. That's payfullynow.com and use the promo code T-E-T-A to make your first request absolutely free. We're back here with Agile Bits' Jeffrey Goldberg, whose title is Defender Against the Dark Arts. We're talking about password management, which is very critical these days, and it will be forever, I think, as we get more digital. Um, And now we're going to take some questions about that topic from our readers and listeners. Lauren, would you read the first question? And Jeffrey, if you keep your answers short, because we've got a ton of uh, questions, that would be great.
1: Sure. The first was around uh, pricing. Jim Gresham wants to know, how easy is it to set up and use the family slash shared vaults? Does it cost extra?
2: Uh, There's a a fixed price for families. I do not actually know what we're offering that price for, but um, it's designed for families, and that should allow, I think, currently uh, five family members. And we certainly hope it is easy to set up. There's a free trial. Give it a shot.
0: All right. The next question is about competition. Ben Ford says, how do they feel... They compare to LastPass because I couldn't see any differences except LastPass is free.
2: I really don't want to be drawn into a discussion of our competitor's security model, uh, but I mentioned earlier that when you use one password to log into a site or service, um, we do not know that you're doing so. I am not certain that that kind of privacy protection is part of LastPass. Um, I also believe that our sharing is more secure, and I think that when you actually come to use it, and as I said, give us a try with a free trial, you'll see enormous amount of work that's been done into uh, what is called usable security. Um, I think you should find 1Password a pleasure to use.
1: All right. Next question, Lauren. Okay. Okay. Uh, Let me just note that on the 1Password or the AgileBits website right now, 1Password families is uh, $4.99 per month for a family of five when billed. Annually. So that seems to be the pricing for that right now for that application. The next two questions were actually uh, we touched on a little bit earlier. These are from Daniel Shake and Ashwin George. How does one password stay competitive in a world where password management is baked into the operating systems and browsers? And Ashwin points out that Google also wants to be a password manager. We've talked a little bit about how Apple is doing this in Safari mm-hmm. where it's built into the Chrome OS. So as more and more, uh, you know, st- I guess, tech companies start to bake these features directly into their software? How, how do you stay competitive?
2: Okay. Uh, well, there are a number of things. Um, first of all, there's the notion that not everybody sticks to just one browser or just one operating system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the big obvious thing. But you can use 1Password For not just passwords, Uh, you can share documents, um, you can keep other records in them, you can help organize a lot of aspects of your digital life in a very, very secure way that you can share with those who you want to share, and you can synchronize across all of your platforms.
0: All right. Next question is about data stored, the next series of questions. Uh, stored data, essentially. Rochelle had several questions, with these are the two we hadn't gotten. Is it safe on public Wi-Fi? What if I'm using a friend's computer? That's a good question. I think about that a lot.
2: So yes, it's safe on public Wi-Fi. We absolutely, we assume that the network is compromised. All of our security design uh, assumes that the network is compromised or Other parts of of systems are compromised. And so we're using strong end-to-end encryption. Actually, there are three layers of this in our transport security. And the question about using a friend's computer, this is going to be hard for anything. If the computer that you yourself are using and you are viewing and exposing secrets on is compromised then there's actually very little that any software that you're using can defend against that. So while we take measures to try to defend against things that are running on compromised systems, ultimately there's the old security slogan, once your computer is compromised, it's no longer your computer.
1: Next question is from Jdeep Dishpandi. Does it log all login attempts? Does one password log all login attempts? Alternately, does it show most recent login attempt from any of the pre-configured devices?
2: Okay. So with the subscription service where there are actual logins, um, where you are connecting to our service, uh, then the answer is yes. If you are just using it locally without connecting to our service, then there is really nothing to log because it's not really a login attempt. You are merely decrypting data on your own device.
0: Right. And the next one is from Soren Lindhoff. How do we know there is no backdoor if they don't let the source code be publicly audited?
2: That is a really good question. Um, We cannot absolutely 100% prove that there isn't a backdoor. But what we can do and what we have done is we have documented how 1Password behaves and how the end-to-end encryption works in really great detail. And an enormous amount of that, of the behavior that we're claiming for how 1Password runs on your system, is independently verifiable. You can monitor your network. You can see that what is created is created as we say it is. You can, you can analyze the software running on your system. And from that, you should be able to see that nothing is sent to us or nothing is sent off your machine that would violate your privacy. So you do not actually need to see or trust the server code. All of the encryption is done in the client. This is extremely well-documented, and we invite people to analyze that and look at that.
1: So you're saying you do let the source code uh, be publicly audited? Um,
2: Publicly audited. It depends on what you mean by publicly audited. Any individual can – we're not publishing the source code. We're not open source. However, we want to get as many of the benefits, the security benefits of open source as possible. So it's actually really easy to decompile the software, to attach debuggers to it and to do various sorts of analyses on your end. It does take some expertise, but if enough experts are looking at that and poking around at that, they can see that 1Password does behave as we say it behaves. All right, next question. Go ahead,
1: okay. Next question is from Ashley Pagnotta on Twitter. Is it really worth the extra hassle and money to use a password manager? She wants to know. Hacks will still happen. And what if the password manager itself gets hacked? We've got a lot Mm -hmm. of questions about the fear of hacking. So that's what we're going to get into right now.
2: Um, One of the great things about using a password manager, entirely separate from the security, is that it just makes login so much easier. So this is one of these rare security products or rare products or systems that both makes things easier for people and improves their security. For the second part of the question, I, I think it's a mistake for people to think of security as an absolute all-or-nothing thing. That is the notion that you cannot protect yourself absolutely fully Therefore, why even bother? Just doesn't make sense. There are reasonable, easy things that most people can do to substantially improve their security and reduce their risk.
0: Well, here's another question from Brandon uh, D'Angelo. Is saving all your passwords ultimately in one place just setting up for catastrophe?
2: Okay, so... There is this notion that you are putting all your eggs in one basket. There's no question that that's true. And therefore, you should look very carefully at the security design of the password manager you use if you wish to use one. But you need to keep in mind that reusing the same password across a dozen sites is putting those dozen sites in one basket as well. So... Password reuse is also putting lots of eggs into baskets. And with simply reusing passwords, you are putting eggs into very, very fragile baskets. So yes, there is the putting your eggs in a basket issue with a password manager, but you also have the same issue with not using a password manager.
1: Next one, Lauren? We had a question from, uh, emailed from Bill Shule who asks, are ciphers a safe way to hide the English dictionary words I use in my passwords, or do hackers try variations based on sliding alphabetic characters Mm. forwards or backwards?
2: Okay, the tools that people, so password crackers, you know, so somebody gets a hash of a password from some server and they run attacks, they run automated guessing attacks. The simple fact of the matter is that the people running these attacks know much, much more about password choice behavior than anybody else on the planet. Every little clever trick that you think you have for generating a password, they've seen, they've known, and they've built tools for. This is why you should be using truly randomly generated passwords.
1: Okay. The next section is uh, some tips and tricks. A couple of people asking um, for <laughs> tips for using 1Password, but also we got a tip for you guys that we're going to pass along. Chris Alphabet, not Google, and Drekinich. I don't know. That is a long Twitter name. Tips for using 1Password across Mac, iOS, and Windows. Jeffrey, what are your top three tips you would give someone using Mac, iOS, and Windows?
2: So for Mac, use the keyboard shortcut. Absolutely use the keyboard shortcut. Um, It's it's command backslash. It just makes your life so much easier if you're not already using this. For iOS, take a look at 1Password 7 for iOS with the drag and drop features. Getting to use that will make things um, a lot easier for when you do need to fill passwords into other apps. Um, So take a look at that new feature.
1: All right. What other tips? Anything for Windows?
2: Uh, For Windows. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Um, This is embarrassing. I kind of look at the internal cryptography code on our Windows app, and I've got a machine where I build it and use it every now and then. But please, join our discussion forums and ask for tips. Sorry, I can't. Pass off any great tips. There are new features coming out for in 1Password for Windows, 1Password um, 6 for Windows. It's every time I turn around, there are new cool things added there. But off the top of my head, I can't think of anything, which is quite All right,
0: last question from Andrew Timmon. Every time I recommend 1Password to a friend, which is fairly frequently, they say, I thought I shouldn't use just 1Password. And then I have to say, no, it's an app. So name change?
2: Oh wow! Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. No, we're not changing our name, but this is a problem. <laughs> we have had people write in saying, "Okay, now that I've got this app, how do I set all of my passwords to one single password?" Um, so, yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> you have no answer. Um, to that. <laughs> well spotted oops
1: i suggest that you rename it dark arts because you you would be the chief of dark arts then
0: (laughs) anyway thank you so much jeffrey for coming on today for too embarrassed to ask is very helpful we just you recommend people are very careful about their passwords it's a really big deal and to really think hard about how you want to approach this because it's only going to be more so in the future as this stuff enters your home and everything else anyway this has been another great episode jeffrey thank you for
1: joining us
2: Oh, and thank you very much for having me. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Thank you, Jeffrey. And if you all enjoyed this week's episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show and you can leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And when you subscribe, be the first to listen
0: to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all the tech questions that our listeners have been Too Embarrassed to Ask.
1: If you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can also subscribe to us on Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also just go to the website. Go to recode.net slash podcast and find all the good stuff there.
0: And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode
1: Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. The Verge also has a great podcast. It's our flagship called The Verge Cast. That's hosted by Neil Patel. And we have a brand new podcast called Why'd You Push That Button, hosted by Caitlin Tiffany and Ashley Carman.
0: All right. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag TooEmbarrassed or email them to tooembarrassed at recode.net.
1: Which is uh, password protected by a multi character, crazy string password. Just anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks also to Cadence 13, the company that distributes the show, including Beth O'Keefe, and our editor, Chris Basil. And thank you to our producer, Eric Johnson. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask. So tune in then.